a great day. Welcome to our Bible study. Hope everyone had a wonderful and blessed week. Today we'll be studying the book of Matthew, chapter 27. We'll be covering verses 11 through 26. And the title of today's lesson is that Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate. So let's go back to last week and discuss what we learned last week. Last week we seen where Judas, the one who had betrayed Jesus with the kiss and the guarding of Yosemite. We, we see where Judas realizes because Jesus goes in front of the Sanhedrin, right? Remember the Sanhedrin means consul. It's, it will be sort of like our court system today. They go in, he goes in front of the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, because they had a plan devised to, to get Jesus to found them guilty and they found them guilty on the verdict of blasphemy. When Judas realizes that Jesus is really going to be put to death, he goes and he hangs himself, right? He has regret. He has remorse. We learned last week, but he didn't repent. He, he, didn't, he didn't go to Jesus. He didn't go defend Jesus or he didn't go to Jesus asking for forgiveness. Instead, what he did was he, he ran off because he had regret and remorse. And it's great to have regret and remorse, but that's not true repentance. And he just runs off. And the message that Jesus was trying to teach us last week is that we should never run from our guilt. We should never run from our problems. We should never run from our actions, from our past, the things that we do that is unrighteous, because this isn't true repentance. True repentance is going to Jesus and asking him to forgive you of your sins. And he will, because that was the whole reason why Jesus went to Calvary was, was to take our sins away from us so we can have a relationship with him so we can enter the kingdom of heaven. So what we're going to see in today's lesson, we're going to learn and we're going to see that Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate. And we're going to see where Jesus is going to be sentenced to death by crucifixion. But we're also going to see this. We're also going to see and we're going to find out in today's lesson that Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. Now, Pontius Pilate has the authority and has the power to do whatever he pleases whatever he wants to do with Jesus. He has that power and authority to do it. But we're also going to find out that Pontius Pilate is a man pleaser. And the man that he loved the most, that he tried to please the most, was himself. You see, Pilate wanted to keep peace in the area that he was governor over, which is Judea and Samaria. He didn't want any trouble to start. He didn't want the Jews to revolt. Because you see, Pilate loved control. He loved being in charge. He loved power. And he knows in order for him to be in control and keep that power, he has to keep peace within his territory. Because if a revolt or a rebellion came about and it was bad enough, then the higher ups above him would have Pilate removed from his position. And Pilate could, according to Roman law, be put to death himself. So Pilate doesn't want none of this. So Pilate wants to try to keep peace. So he's going to be a man pleaser. And we're going to see that he's going to put Jesus before the crowds. 
And instead of him making that decision about putting Jesus to death because he knows Jesus is innocent and he knows that he don't want to put an innocent man to death, he lets the crowd decide what they're going to do with Jesus. And how does he decide that? By taking out a prisoner named Barabbas. And Barabbas and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, they stand in front of the people, the crowds. Crowds is plural, meaning not only Jewish people was there, but also Gentiles. And he, he lets the crowds decide which one's going to be freed and which one's going to be crucified. So that being said, open up your Bibles and let's start the lesson today, starting in verse 11 in the book of Matthew chapter 27. Verse 11 says this, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, You have said so. When he accused, when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony that they bring against you? But Jesus made no reply. Not even to a single charge. To the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowds had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest. They had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor. Barabbas, the crowds answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. And they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted even louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere with the crowds, but that instead an uproar was starting. He took the water and he washed his hands in front of the crowds, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. And the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So let's go back to verse 11. And verse 11 states this. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? So we see here that Jesus is standing before the governor, Pontius Pilate, who I said earlier was the governor over the area of Samaria and Judea at this time. Now, although Pontius Pilate, he was a Gentile, he lived in Jerusalem and he dealt 
every day with Jewish people. And because of this, he would have known about the king of the Jews. This one that was related to, to the anointing one, the Messiah, Jesus, Jesus Christ. He would have known and heard about Jesus. So he's asking them, right? Or he says, are you the king of the Jews here? And this simply means the Christ. He's speaking about Jesus Christ here. And look what Jesus says to him. Jesus says, if you have said so. So you see in Jewish culture, this means you're just confirming what someone said. So Jesus was basically saying, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am the king that you mentioned. Now, we also know from another gospel that Jesus says this, that my kingdom is from another world. But there is coming a time when there's going to be a change, right? So what we see here in verse 1 is that Jesus stands in front of Pontius Pilate and Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? In other words, Pilate had heard that of this man called Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, that he was the king of the Jews. And he just asked him this question. And Jesus right here, he doesn't deny it. He agrees with him. Verse 12. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. So this simply means here that when he was accused, accused of what? When he was being arrested and he goes in front of the Sanhedrin, he didn't say a word, if you remember. He just kind of kept his mouth shut. Because according to Jewish law, you can do that. You didn't have to defend yourself. You can just sit and say nothing at all. So we saw where he was arrested then, he absolutely doesn't say anything at all. So Jesus is accused, he's arrested by the religious leaders, and he doesn't say a word, and he goes before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate asks him, verse 13, don't you hear the testimony that they are bringing against you? So, so Pilate's saying here, these religious leaders... They say all these things that you have done, they bound you up, right? And remember, because he, Jesus wasn't bound in front of the Sanhedrin. When the Sanhedrin found them guilty of blasphemy, they had to come up with a way to present them to Pilate to make him look dangerous to the Roman government and the Jewish society. So they bound them. They tied him up. So he's tied up here in front of Pilate, and Pilate is asking him, they're saying all these things about you, these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. Are they true? Basically, he's saying, tell me your side of the story. I want to know what you think, what happened. I want to hear your side. But look what Jesus does. Verse 14. But Jesus had no reply. Not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. So once again, Jesus doesn't say a word. So what is this all about? You see, Pilate was used to being the judge because only crucifixions done in Samaria and Judea had to go through Pontius Pilate. He's the one that made that decision. And one of the things that he did as governor, he passed down judgment. So as he sits down on this seat in judgment hall, he, hears, he wants to hear Jesus aside. But Jesus is not saying nothing, and Pilate is amazed at this. Because you see, Pilate is used to people begging him. He's used to people denying the charges. He's used to people uh, sending or using all type of excuses of why they're innocent. But here, 
Jesus is just standing before him and Jesus keeps his mouth shut and Jesus says absolutely nothing and Pilate is in amazement at this. You see, it was the Jewish leadership. We said this over and over several times. Not the general population, but the leadership that wanted Jesus dead. It was them that put him in front of Pilate. And you might ask why? Because Jesus spoke the truth. So because he spoke the truth, because he had such a huge following, they was a little jealous of Jesus. Because Jesus called him out on certain things. So what they wanted to do was get rid of Jesus and get rid of his ministry, so to speak. They wanted his ministry to die. And the only way to do that was to punish him and punish him dearly by death through Roman crucifixion. And they wanted to do this. And the only way to, to end the ministry of Jesus that he had started was to send a message to the general population. In other words, to, if they see Jesus Christ being crucified, the message is you're not going to follow this man. Because if you follow this man, you follow his teachings, then that's what's going to happen to you as well. You as well will be crucified. So what we can say is that they wanted Jesus's ministry and the movement that Jesus started to come to an end. And the only way to do that was to put Jesus to death. Now, how sad is that? But also, we know that they were wrong. Because what happened to the ministry? It didn't kill it. It advanced it. Amen? It prolonged it. And it's still going on to this day. And it's going to continue to go on until the rapture of the church. Amen? Verse 15. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowds. Now, Pilate, understand this. I said this in my introduction, was a man pleaser. And the one he wanted to impress or please most was himself. Now, Pilate knew the religious leaders, they were envy of Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. There was a one that turned them over to Pilate. But Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. That Jesus really wasn't a threat to anyone. Now it says right here at a festival. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival. Now what festival are they talking about here? They're talking about the feast or the festival of unleavened bread. Now what is foundational about the feast of unleavened bread? It begins with Passover. And Passover represents preparation day. This was when the lambs were to be sacrificed. Then once the lambs were sacrificed, the Jews then were to eat of it on the first day of unleavened bread. And because Passover represents redemption, they had a tradition where the governor would release one prisoner to the Jewish people. So we can say here, because Pilate knew Jesus was innocent, he was trying to set him free by doing this. Doing what? I'm going to get to that in a couple of seconds, in a minute. Verse 16. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a rebel. 
Barabbas was a murderer, if you want to call him that. Some people even relate him in today's language. They would call him a thug. Some people would say he was evil and he was a wicked man. Some people say he had no remorse, right? But the Bible tells us that Barabbas was arrested for inciting an insurrection. In other words, he started a revolt. He rebelled, not against the Roman government, but against the Jewish government, against the religious leaders, against the Sanhedrin. You see, Barabbas was against the Jewish leadership. Barabbas stood by himself. He saw right through the religious leaders. He saw right through the Sanhedrin. And he blamed the religious leaders. He blamed the Jewish leadership for their slavery. He saw how corrupt they were, how they were in cahoots, how they worked hand in hand with the Roman government. Now, he hated the Roman government, but he never threatened the Roman government. But he killed Jewish people. He killed religious leaders. That's why he's being held in prison. See, if he would have did something to the Roman government or threatened the Roman government, the Roman government would have had him arrested right then and there because he's a threat to them, and they would have had him crucified. But yet he's in jail. He's held in prison right here because that, that it just goes to show us that it, he's held in prison because he, was, he led a revolt against the Jewish leadership, not against the Roman government. But Pilate, Pilate knows that Jesus Christ is innocent. And Pilate knows that Barabbas went against the religious leaders and the Sanhedrin. So he's going to use Barabbas as a prisoner and in his mind to set Jesus Christ free. So what Pilate's doing right here is he's trying to help Jesus by selecting Barabbas and letting the crowds choose which ones they want to release. But we know this. Because Pilate's a man pleaser, he's not going to go against what the crowds want. He's not going to go against what the religious leaders want in fear that they might go to the Roman government. And if they go to the Roman government above Pilate, Pilate would be removed from office. Pilate would no longer be in control. Pilate would lose his power. So because of this, Pilate feared. So what he did was he went along with whatever the crowds wanted. Now there's another twist to this story. Barabbas is named Jesus Barabbas. Notice in the scripture, it says Jesus Barabbas. So when the people would cry out to let Jesus go, this is, this is what the thinking of Pilate was. It can either mean Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, or it can mean Jesus Barabbas. So in other words, he presented both men and he would say, which one you want to release? The crowd would say Jesus. So he would release in his mind Jesus Christ because they said Jesus. So he had, he had a twist to this. He had a plan for this, but you're going to find out it didn't go according to how he wanted it to go. It didn't go according to his plan. Verse 17. So when the crowds had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
Now notice what he says. He says, Jesus Barabbas. Barabbas means son of God. So Jesus, son of God, Barabbas, or Jesus who is called the Messiah. Now, once again, he's hoping that the people just would say Jesus. And that would make up his decision. He would free Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and he would crucify Jesus Barabbas. But it didn't work like that. Why do I say that? Look at verse 18. For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. For he knew. This means that he knows their motive. Who's they? The religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. He knows why Jesus is arrested. He knew it was because of jealousy. He knew it was because of envy. But something he didn't know. See, Pilate didn't realize how important of an event this would play out for the rest of humanity. So we can say here that he had very remote knowledge of what was happening on that day. Very remote. Remember, he's a man pleaser. Remember, he loves power. He loves control. And that's all he's worried about here. He knows Jesus Christ is innocent and he's trying to help him out by coming up with a plan by selecting Jesus Barabbas, Jesus, the son of God. That's what Barabbas means, son of God. But he has no indication and no clue that the decisions that he made on that day will affect the rest of humanity and for eternity. Why do I say that? Look at verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, speaking about judgment hall in Jerusalem, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man or the righteous man, some of your Bibles might say, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Now, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife, Send him this message. Now, wife biblically means a helpmate. And we see now that his wife wants to give him not just some good advice, but some great advice. Advice that just didn't begin with her. We're going to find out. But rather, God communicated with her. How do I know this? Because look what the rest of the verse says. She says, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. So we see here that his wife, his helpmate who loves him dearly, wants him to do the right thing. And she tells him, not basically, not, in other words, don't have anything to do with that innocent man means leave Jesus alone. Leave Jesus Christ alone, the Messiah, because he's innocent. He's righteous. He hasn't done anything. How does she know that? Because the rest of the verse tells us, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Him meaning Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Messiah. So we see here that God gave her a dream and told her that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is a righteous man. He's an innocent man that nothing should be done 
to him or against him. Verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. So notice right here, the scripture says crowds in plural. There are many different people, types of people there that they, not just Jewish people. You see, if you believe that it was only Jews there, you, you're mistaken because it was not. Actually, this was done on Passover. And what does, what do basically the Jews do on Passover? They sacrifice a lamb. They're getting ready for the next day to eat it, the first day of unleavened bread. So yeah, who was here was the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders who were Jews. And you probably had some Jewish people mixed in that, but not a whole lot. But you had a lot of Gentiles there. So who was leading this? You can say, again, was the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders. The, the, the Jewish leaders who worked under the Roman government. They the ones that devised the plan to get Jesus arrested, to find them guilty so they can turn him over to Pilate. They bound him up to make him look like he's a dangerous man. And now they're leading the cheers that they want Barabbas released and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, executed. Verse 21. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Pilate asks. And they said, Barabbas. So he asked the crowds, which one do you want me to release? And look, the answer, they want Barabbas released. And you might say, why? What well, are several reasons why? First off, this was God's plan. God sent his only begotten son into this world to live as a human, Remember, Jesus Christ is fully God, but fully man. And he sent him into this earth, onto this earth, to do what? To go to the cross. To be crucified for the sins of the world. To be laid upon him. So we can have a chance at redemption. What does Passover represent? Preparation day, also redemption. Let's go back to the book of Exodus on their redemption from Egypt, what took place, blood over the doorposts. Blood, it signifies what? Redemption. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross so we can have a chance to be redeemed through him and through his blood. Amen? So we see here, they ask, which one do you want released? And they say, Barabbas. And you might ask why, because it was Jesus, it was God's plan from the very beginning. We can also say this, that Pilate is a man pleaser and he didn't want to lose power. He didn't want to lose control. That was another reason. A third reason might be is this, the religious leaders, they hated Jesus because he spoke truth. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the what? Truth. And I am the life. So truth. Jesus is all about truth. Another reason many scholars believe this. That because Barabbas was a rebel. Because Barabbas stood alone. Because Barabbas threatened and challenged the Jewish government. The Jewish leadership. Barabbas means son of God. Remember. They wanted to free their Messiah. 
Who was their Messiah? Jesus Barabbas, who was a warrior. Remember how would the Jews think? The Jews believe in many Messiahs, a couple. But they believe in the real Messiah as a warrior that comes back to defend them, that comes back to set up an empire, a kingdom for the Jews. That's what they believe. And, and a lot of scholars believe that Barabbas, because he was a warrior and because his name represents Son of God, Jesus, Son of God, Jesus Barabbas, and because he was a warrior, because he stood up and he defended, he wanted to fight, they wanted him free. Verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And Pilate asked, and they all answered, crucify him. Now notice what Pilate says. He calls Jesus, Jesus Christ, right? The Messiah. He calls him the Messiah. So once again, the scriptures are pointing out that Jesus really, really is the Messiah. This tells us the reason Jesus came. He came to lay down his life for you and for me. And they all answered, crucify him. So we see that they wanted Jesus crucified. Verse 23. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. See, Pilate knows that he didn't commit any crime. He knows that Jesus is innocent. But you see, the religious leaders led the crowds. They led him by shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, free Barabbas. So when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took the water and he washed his hands in front of the crowds. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. So when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting. So we see here, that no matter what Pilate said, the crowds were getting louder and louder and louder. The crowds were, were, were like a mob fixing to rebel. And Pilate didn't want this. Remember what I said. Pilate wanted peace in his territory. And if they revolted, if they rebelled, that he was going to have trouble. And he didn't want trouble. Because that meant that it was his responsibility and that happened on his time, in his area, which means he couldn't govern. He didn't maintain the law and order. He didn't keep peace in the territory. And because of this, he would have been fired, maybe even put to death. So we see here that when he sees that he's getting nowhere with the crowds, he's trying to free Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So what he's trying to do. I mean, you see it in the passage. He knows he's innocent. His wife sends him a message. She had a dream from God that to, you don't have nothing to do because Jesus Christ is innocent. So he's trying, but he's a, he's a man pleaser. He wants to keep that position. He wants to keep the power. He wants to keep the control. So what does he do? He takes water. He washes his hands, the Bible says. He looks in front of the crowd and he washes his hands and he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. So this just shows once again that he knows that Jesus Christ is innocent. He says it is your responsibility. And look what they said. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. So we see here that the crowds, they stated that it's on them. 
that it's on their children, that they take full responsibility of what is happening to Jesus. Now remember, who's here? Both Jew and Gentile. So what this represents is that Jew and Gentile is the ones that crucify Jesus Christ. That's what this represents. Now let's talk about the blood because they say his blood is on our shoulders and our children. So what he's saying here is, is, is the blood of Christ isn't just for Jewish people because there's Jew and Gentiles there. See, it's not just Jewish people that he did this for, but he did this for all of humanity. This represents redemption, that we all have a chance to be redeemed by the shedding of the blood that happened at Calvary on the cross. That we can have a relationship with Jesus. That we can be redeemed into the eternal kingdom of heaven. That we can worship and praise and glorify with Jesus in his heaven. But it takes having a personal intimate relationship with him. Why? Because of the blood that he shed on the cross at Calvary. Amen. Last verse for today, verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them. So we see that he frees the man called Jesus Barabbas, who was a rebel, a true criminal. He set free, but he had Jesus flogged and he handed him over to be crucified. So we see here that Jesus, he's found guilty. And after he's found guilty, and we're going to discuss this more in this chapter, he's flogged. He's beaten, he's spat upon, and he's eventually crucified. Now, we know the flogging that was done to Jesus, and we're going to talk more about this a little later on in this chapter. But Jesus was flogged 39 times, and the flogging that took place was, was a whip with cords, and at the end of the cords, they had it was like bones that were razor sharp. And when that cord and that with, with that whip and that cord would hit the back of Jesus and they would pull back, it would lash some of the skin off Jesus' back. And they did that 39 times. 39 times Jesus' flesh was ripped open. And it was ripped open so bad that you can see his ribs. You can see the bones of Jesus' body. That's the pain. That's the torture that Jesus went through for you and for me. That's how much he loves us. He suffered that much, and that's true love. Why? So we can have a chance to be redeemed and to be with him in his kingdom. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew, chapter 27. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Hope you all have a blessed and wonderful week. We love you guys. God bless.